Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. Before we jump into this episode, I just want to interject and let you guys know a couple things that are happening in this episode, just so that you guys are aware. So this episode was filmed remotely, of course, in order to practice social distancing, but also many of our interviews are actually filmed internationally and across borders. So unfortunately, we can't actually meet in person as well. So the audio quality may not sound the same on either side. And we really tried to edit to compensate and try to use similar microphones. And as you proceed through the episode, you'll notice that the audio quality gets much better. And also we had some internet difficulties. You know, everybody's using the internet during this time, especially Zoom or any of the other platforms that we were using and so a lot of times we would get disconnected so some of the words may be choppy and sometimes the internet would cut out and so we really did try to continue the conversation and make it flow as much as possible this is also recorded at the end of the march so keep in mind that a lot of the regulations that we were talking about are much more alleviated and they're no longer in place so they may not be as applicable right now so that's what we were referring to at the time back to Amplify. My name is Summer Al-Khudri and I'm here back with another interview with Cindy Zlamini. Hi Cindy, how are you doing today? Hi Summer, I'm good, how are you? I am well, just trying to find my new normal during this quarantine time. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself, your name, like what school you go to and where you're from, like where are you talking to us from now? Yes, so my name is Cindy um, and I go to the University of Evansville in Indiana um, and I'm currently in Johannesburg, South Africa where I'm from, so I'm currently back home. Wow, I appreciate you talking to me from all the way back home. I know there's quite a big time difference between us right now, so I appreciate you getting on at your time that you're coming at us from. So how long have you been studying in the States, like in the United States, and can you share a little bit about your experience studying here and living here? Yes, so I started school um, in August of 2016, and uh, it's been pretty good so far. I think it was kind of a really crazy way that I got to find out about Evansville, Um, and then once I got there, I was still pretty unsure about if it was the right decision for me at the time, but as as the years went on, it seemed like it was the best decision. Um, people were so nice. I made such good friends. Um, and just with like classes and everything, I really liked the small class sizes. So I kind of felt like I was getting the most out of my learning experience. Um, and just for overall, like I had been to America a couple of times before. And my sister went to school in North Carolina. She graduated last May. So I kind of experienced a little bit of what America was like, but completely different when you go on vacation and when you actually live there. Um, some crazy things happen uh, with like politics and everything, but I try not to get too involved with all of that. Um, just another thing to stress me out and like, you know, it just, it's really time consuming and all of that. So um, it's been pretty good overall. I definitely don't regret the decision and I'm really happy that I did like, take the chance and go study abroad. I really enjoyed it so far. That sounds like an amazing experience. I know you mentioned that you found out about University of Evansville kind of strangely. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yes. So I was, I used the common app to apply to all the schools that I applied to. And I was kind of just going through by stage and like looking up schools like came up on the list. 
and then I came across University of Evansville. So I searched it up, and it seemed like it was a really, it was like a really strong focus on international students, and they're kind of a big part of campus. So I just decided to apply, um, and then I didn't really expect, I mean, I didn't have any expectations, but I ended up getting in, and I ended up getting a scholarship. So I just kind of took the chance, and I had never been to um, Indiana before, so I kind of just went with it, and I always told myself that if I didn't like it, I would just transfer to another school, um, but I ended up liking it, so I think it all worked out really well. I couldn't be any more grateful for how it worked out. And for those who don't know, the Common App is, I think it's referred to as the Common Application, so high school seniors, usually in the United States or anybody that's applying to American schools, a lot of schools participate in it and you can just fill out like one type of application and apply it to multiple schools. So they're very similar systems even when you're applying to like graduate school as well where you can apply to kind of all of the schools you want to apply to in one platform. So for those international listeners or for those of us maybe that are not familiar with the common application, that's what it was. And so did you think that the international experience was what you expected? And I really want to know your thoughts about Indiana as well, because I personally grew up here um, and I wanted to know somebody's perspective that came from overseas. I think a lot of times with some of my like family members that live overseas, I think America's romanticized. I know you've been to America before, but I don't know what areas you personally went to, but most of the time when people come to the States, they usually go to some of the more romanticized areas where they think all of America's like that, like Los Angeles or New York City. So I just wanted to know kind of what your experience was. Yeah, so with the um, international experience, I think it was more than I could have like expected it to be. I don't really have any expectations, but the focus that they put on international students right at the beginning, I think, makes such a big difference in like laying the foundation for the rest of the time that we're there. Um, we were able to just get along so well, and like I think that whole like group mentality where you all are from, you really all are from different places, but once you're all together experiencing the same thing, it just brings your life closer, um, and you're able to connect on that and like make really good friendships based off of that that eventually evolve and grow into more but I really I like appreciated that they took the time and like have a program set out for international students at that very difficult point in life when you're making such a big change um and then and as for Indiana in specific I yeah I completely agree I think the image that we have of America especially if you're um, like when you're young and you watch like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and all of that stuff, you kind of only see, I guess, the good parts and like the the flashy, glamorous sides of America. Um, and then I also had gone to New York before and I went to Florida. So just seeing that and not really experiencing like what it's like to live in America was a big, a big shock and kind of a big, um, there's a big difference in like New York and Indiana. So, but I mean, the way that I, people often ask like, how, how, what is it like going to some place like Indiana? It's pretty quiet. Um, and there's a lot going on. I always just say like, I think it was really good for going to school because a lot of the time you could have distractions of like, oh, there's so many places I want to go to. There's so many things I want to try. 
but in events for like there's not a lot that you don't get like overwhelmed and distracted from like the real reason why you're here so that was nice but sometimes it does get boring but you can always find like something to do with your friends anyway so i think it's again just like what you make it and you don't have to always rely on like what's given and what's provided but what you can do with what you have and i i really love that mentality of kind of doing what you can with the resources that are applicable to you i think a lot of the talks that i've had with other international students or maybe people that have immigrated to the states from other regions is that idea of taking the resources that you have and running with it and i think that's something that's not necessarily integrated in the American culture too much. We kind of learn to work with the resources we have and kind of drive with it. And so I think that's like a, a driving message. I think a lot of people on the podcast would appreciate to hear from an international student. So I know you mentioned your experience living in Indiana and how it was definitely a shock, not a shock, but it was definitely different from the experiences you had live going to florida and new york city and did you realize that most of america was cities like evansville i think people think that the majority of america is like los angeles but the majority of america is middle class low-income cities like evansville um was that something that when you went back home that you communicated to people and they were shocked about yeah i think especially with like the friends that i have back home um, I think they were very curious, like, I would have been in, if I was them, of, like, what my experience was and, like, what kind of city Evansville is. Um, but after a while, like, I kind of came to the realization that, like, a lot of places in America are like Evansville. Um, I think the more you, like, do more research or hear experiences from people, because even just, like, a lot of the classmates that I have were from around Indiana or were from Illinois or something. So they had pretty similar experiences to like what it's like to be in Evansville where they live back home so I think just like from talking to people I was able to understand that America is a lot of what America is is cities like Evansville so it was kind of a shock but I think it like you can understand how not a lot of places can function like um, California or New York and like it does I think in turn it makes those places even more special because they stand out and they're not just like every other place um, in America, so I don't know. I think it's a very weird thing to understand in the beginning, but once you understand it, you can. It makes sense. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and I definitely agree that because of the different places in the United States, like Los Angeles and New York City, where it's a a very big contrast from where what most of America is like, it makes those places special, and and you look forward more to going to those places. I know you mentioned that when you would go back home, and you would talk to your friends about Evansville and Indiana. So is it common for people in South Africa to go to the States or maybe other westernized countries to seek education? Or is that something that's a privilege? Or what's the process like for all of that? Yeah, um, it's definitely not something that a lot of South African students do after finishing high school. And um, even just like the a lot of, like, in my friendship group, I was, like, the only person to have gone overseas, which makes you, I think in the beginning, and especially at that age, you kind of feel like you don't want to be left out, and, like, I really struggled with kind of them having their own experiences with some of them actually going to the same universities, and then I had a completely different experience, 
and when we came back together, it was kind of a little bit difficult to, I, I guess, share something and have something in common. Um, but it's not necessarily something that's common and not a lot of people do it. I think, like, my high school, after I had left, started doing things like offering SAT classes. So I think there's definitely a push towards people taking that experience. But I would also say that it is something, it's, it, it, it is sort of a privilege because a lot of the time, other countries, like all Western countries, have such high exchange rates. So it is a lot more taxing than going to like a university here where the rates are kind of made for everyone and for a lot of people. So I feel especially lucky to have been given the opportunity to have this experience. And I'm even just like going to school, I think knowing that it was something that that couldn't ha- like doesn't happen to a lot of people i try to take that in a lot more and experience it a lot more and just be really grateful for that whole experience and i think that gratefulness definitely translates to how you're talking i know you mentioned your sister also came to the states so can you talk a little bit about why you chose to go outside your comfort zone and take the opportunity to come to the united states and I know we never mentioned it, but what field of study that you're also studying and, and kind of all of that? Yeah, so I am studying mechanical engineering. And I, so like we said, my, my sister did go to school um, in America before I did. And I think she was really set on the idea. I think maybe when she was about 16 or something like that, she was really set on the idea of going to university in America. So like having her lead the way, I think played a really big role in me also taking the chance to do it um it's a lot easier to follow someone when they've done something and come from a very similar um background as you it's just a lot easier to see like okay she did this so and it worked so i'll do it as well so i feel like i i had like a comfort blanket of some sort it wasn't just like me taking a leap because i had heard what her experiences were like i heard what classes were like and what like living in a resident hall is like so I had some kind of background and some kind of information right before I jumped in so I felt a bit secure in my decision and the choice to kind of make that jump and go study abroad and I think that reassurance is key like for older siblings they kind of have to take the the leap for their younger siblings and I know personally I've done similar things to you where my brothers have experienced certain things and because I've seen them go through it, I felt like I would be able to take that same leap. So I know you mentioned your friends and their college experiences and you ha- you obviously went to schooling in South Africa. So can you tell us the differences in the schooling systems in America um, versus South Africa and maybe touch on a little bit of what your friends have said about the South African college experience versus the United States college experience? Yes, and um, so I, I'm not too sure about the application process because at the time I was I didn't really look much into what it, what the whole process was to apply to South African University because I was so set on already um, going to an American University. But from all what my friends have told me and like what I hear on the news and everything, the, I think with like South African universities, a lot of them are public universities, and there's not really a lot of options for private um, universities in South Africa. Whereas in America, it's it's quite easy to find a lot of private universities. And the biggest thing with the universities in South Africa is a lot of the time, a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds apply to those schools and go to those schools to get um, higher education. And a lot of people can't afford the fees 
um, to go to those schools. So there have been a lot of protests of like lowering the fees so everyone can afford to go to those schools. And at a, at a certain point in time, it was quite disruptive because schools would have to close because of the protests and everything. So I think that's the biggest thing, like just having a lot of the government play a role in university was like one of the main differences that they've experienced where I kind of haven't had to experience. Um, and also because the public university, the class sizes are a lot larger and the class structure is a little bit different where they have like lectures and then they have tutorials where they go into like smaller groups and learn and like ask questions in that setting because it can be quite difficult to ask questions and like get as much information in a large lecture whereas a lot of schools in america that are way small like um ue just being in a class you're with really few people so you are able to ask the questions and like get that specific attention when you need it yeah and i think i was actually pretty shocked when you talked about the protests regarding university fees i know personally some american students that actually go overseas because the schooling is usually cheaper there did you find that coming to america was your schooling more expensive here or would it have been more expensive to go to schooling in south africa it would have been it, it's more expensive for me to go to school in america because of the exchange rate and all of that and um, where schools in south africa are kind of given a, like a you know the amount isn't really crazy so a lot of people can afford to go to school and it would it is a lot cheaper for them but again, it's a public school, so there are a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, and some people can't afford to pay those fees. So I guess it, it kind of depends on what your financial situation is and what kind of um, family support you have. And so do they not have in South Africa, where like in America, we have financial aid and scholarships? Is that something that's not very common there? It is common, um, and I think... I don't think, I'm not familiar with how that whole, that whole thing works, but like with UE, when I applied, I got a scholarship directly from UE, whereas I think a lot of schools here, you have to apply from, from like a bunch of other different companies that will then like sponsor you. Um, but I think, again, it kind of only goes so far and some things you are left to pay for for yourself. So I think that's the problem is where people are left to pay for like, um, accommodation when there isn't enough accommodation and maybe the accommodation is a bit too expensive for what their, their family can provide for them so again I think it's just like relative based on your family support and um, how much you are able to pay. So how common is it for people to go to higher education and college in South Africa? I know in the United States around 30% of students that graduate from high school end up going to seek like a higher education in college. Do you think that's something that's a little bit more valued in South Africa where you see more students seeking higher education or is it something that's some sort of privilege like it is in the United States? I do think it is a privilege um, and I was able to go to, I went to a United school, it is a private school and um, so in that setting, you're kind of coached for a very long time to like take the next step. Like it's, it, it becomes so natural to go to university, whereas I can imagine in other schools, especially if you're in a situation or your family can't really support you going to university, it might make a lot more sense for you to go stay from high school to go get a job so that you can earn money and help your family and live a life instead of kind of taking a few steps backwards and like having to pay more money and wait a couple of years before you can actually start getting a job and like working so i think it, it is a privilege to have the opportunity to be financially supported for a period of time maybe that's three or four years 
until you get a degree where you can actually start working. But I do feel for people who would want that path but aren't able to provide for themselves. So they do start working and kind of never get the chance to go back to university. And I think that's a very similar experience here. The affordability of college is something that scares a lot of people. And so they choose to go directly into the workforce in order to help support their family or to financially support themselves because they're no longer they're no longer sponsored or helped by their family to go through college or any other basic essentials. I know based off my experience, I personally didn't go to school overseas. I have family that have, and I know the intensity of the schools there. I don't know how South Africa does it, but in Middle Eastern schools, they'll have like rank systems. And so people with certain grade averages will be offered certain career options. So if you are looking in a field like how you are with mechanical engineering or any type of medicine related field, those would be offered to those people with higher grade point averages. Do you think, is it similar in South Africa where once high school ends, that the, the grades that you get in high school are to the extent of getting you into a college, but it doesn't choose your field that you study. Is that kind of similar in South Africa? It's a bit similar, but there are um, a couple differences. So with like South African universities, when you apply, you usually have to apply to a specific program and then you get accepted with it. Like your grades are kind of, your like acceptance is based on the grades that you have and if you would fit well in that program. It isn't the case of necessarily like, you know, like in American universities, you can apply to a specific program and then later on, maybe like a semester or two semesters later, you change your mind and want to go to a different major. Um, I think they're a little bit more strict on that, but they don't, you don't have a system where you kind of have a career chosen for you based off of your GPA, but it's similar than when you apply to school after high school, you um, are only like your grades can get you into certain programs that you'll then continue with. Yeah, that's interesting. I know definitely here we have a lot of freedom of choice. And if we no longer feel that the given career that we've chosen is applicable anymore, we can easily change majors. Um, so I feel like that's definitely different where they're a little bit more strict on people changing programs. So I know you also mentioned kind of how a lot of the universities over there are public universities so the class sizes are larger i know talking to my friends that go to larger public universities in the area such as indiana university or iu that they have similar experiences will they have lecture halls that are pretty large anywhere from maybe 100 to 500 people depending on what that course is and then they'll have teacher assistants or tas host smaller group discussions where they can ask more personalized questions so how intense is schooling there did you feel like when you came here that the intensity of schooling was the same i know there like i like i was talking about before i've heard that school is pretty intense and a lot of what america really values is fostering relationships in schooling systems i know even when I talked to my cousins when they first came to the States and they went to American schooling system, they really found that school 
was seen as something that was fun and a fun learning experience and they would do activities to foster relationships. Is that something that's valued in the educational system in South Africa? Yeah, so when I was in high school and all throughout school, I think there was it wasn't necessarily like all we had to do was school and we had to just focus on school. Um, we were able to kind of explore other avenues with like sports or something more cultural like music or kind of different avenues that we could do. But just coming to school, um, going to university after high school and everything, I thought the biggest difference was some of the classes, specifically like genetics, were a lot easier than I thought they would be. Um, and sometimes, I guess, in the beginning, I was kind of really strict on myself. And like, I kind of felt like I had to continue the routine that I had in high school and kind of had no, like, I, I guess I thought that professors were a lot stricter and were a lot, were going to be a lot more harder on me. But I guess maybe it's, it's like a combination of going from high school to college and also going from school in South Africa to America. A lot of the responsibility for your learning is placed on you. So I know you talked about a lot of your schooling experience in the United States. And I know that unfortunately that had to come to an end pretty close to graduation. So can you tell us a little bit about how coronavirus has affected your studies and what are some of the key things that you missed out on during this time? Yeah, um, so it's been, so this past semester, um, well, this semester actually, I had um, nine credits, so I was taking two classes really, and the other three credits that I had were a project that I was working on for my senior project. So it kind of affected that, my senior project a lot, because a lot of the work that we were doing, we needed to be on campus, and we needed to be busy building things together so that ended up pretty abruptly and I think I was really like the period of like after spring break and trying to figure out everything I was really unsure of how we we're gonna continue with that and with my other, with my other classes there's just like lectures and slides posted online that I can do so it's been it's been nice having the freedom to do those classes and like wake up when I want to wake up and like kind of customize my schedule but it has also put a lot of as a like weight and responsibility on me to make sure that I do get the work done because when I was on campus it was just like I had to just go to class and listen and take notes and I'll be done but now I have to like actively find the time to sit down do my notes and everything and get that figured out so that's been a bit of an adjustment kind of just figuring out what what like routine works well for me um while trying to cope with like everything that's going on and the things that I'm missing out on were definitely like spending time with my friends towards the end and graduation obviously and also finishing our senior project because so we had our final presentation on this like this Thursday that just passed and after it was done it felt like it hadn't really been over and like it felt like I was just it was just like another presentation because I didn't really have that whole experience of like having it come to an end and really working through the whole thing and getting it done so I think even just like now with graduation coming I it doesn't feel like it's actually happening because this past like month or so has been really crazy and like I'm still kind of trying to figure out what is happening and like how like school's going and everything so I don't know it's just been a lot of things happening at the same time but yeah it's been a little bit tricky to try and figure it out but I think I've kind of gotten a routine and like it's not coming to an end so quickly but I'm still trying to like keep up with my routine and stay focused up until the end. Yeah, and I think I could definitely agree with you. The transition to online classes was 
not difficult necessarily because I had two online classes already, but establishing that schedule of doing everything from home and trying to garner that motivation and actually feeling like things ended because you haven't physically turned in something or had that process of building your project and seeing it through. I know you went home after you've heard about this coronavirus experience. Did all your friends go home? I know you mentioned you had quite a few international student friends. Did they choose to stay on campus or did they also go home as well? So a few of us went home. So let's continue our conversation regarding, I know you were in the midst of talking about your international student friends and so some of you guys chose to stay in the states while some of you guys chose to go home what are people's differing reasons I guess why did you choose to go home while some of your friends chose to stay here I chose to go home because so it was like towards the end of spring break and South Africa was about to um like issue a travel ban and I didn't want to be in a situation where we were probably going to lockdown. And so say if I had stayed um, and had issued the travel ban and then there was a lockdown, I wouldn't have been able to come home. And I wouldn't have known when everything was going to be back to normal. Um, and I had planned to like travel and go back home after graduation. So I didn't want to be in a situation where I was going to be stuck at school and stuck there, knowing that I did want to come back um, after graduation and be home for a little while. So... That was my main reason, and just kind of like how serious the situation was getting every day. I wanted to be, and like I had gotten a lot of support from school saying, like, if you didn't want, if you wanted to go home and say on like school in in person classes did resume, you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't like be forced to come back to school. So I was kind of comforted in knowing that, like, if I did make the decision to go home. I would still be able to continue with school, which made it a lot easier to decide that I wanted to be home and like in a space that I was comfortable in for a long, like a, for a prolonged time because I didn't know when everything was going to go back to normal. What about your other friends? Have there been any travel bans to their, to their home countries and they don't know when they're going to go back home for the ones that chose to stay here? And I think it was kind of different for everyone. I think people were comfortable staying at school um, and didn't want to stay at school because it is kind of disruptive having to pack up everything and then travel in such short notice. And and some countries, like it, in some places, it was going to just be easier and more like, um, I guess, more affordable to stay at school. Um, and not necessarily travel advance, but just like they being in lockdown and having to deal with all of that, it just seemed a lot easier for them to stay um, at school instead of going back home. And I think that makes sense. I know going home is definitely a distraction. I personally lived at home throughout my four years of college and I was able to make it okay. I know I a lot of times escaped to coffee shops or on-campus places just to be able to find some peace and quiet to do my schoolwork. So I definitely understand the, the struggle. And so I think all the commuter students have the feeling of sitting at home and now everybody around the world is is joining us in that experience so I think that's pretty pretty crazy so you mentioned the situation at home getting bad so how is coronavirus manifesting itself there is it is it as bad as the United States or you don't really hear much about what's happening in South Africa or Africa in general 
with coronavirus, do you think they've taken the proper precautions or, or any of the things? Like, do they have similar restrictions that we have regarding social distancing, masks, you know, all of those? And do they have like phases of reopening kind of what America is structuring right now? Yeah, so at that point in, um, it was like the middle of March, so right towards the end of spring break, South Africa then decided to do the travel ban and also do a lockdown um, on the 27th of March. But at that point, we weren't really, we didn't have a lot of cases. I think the day that I left to go back, to come back home, we had about 51 cases, which is pretty low um, for our country to start doing travel bans. And even when we were in lockdown, we had really few cases. And so we've been in lockdown for five weeks now, and we have up to about like a little, over 3,000 cases right now. So I think the action that like South Africa took was done at the right time when there were still very few cases. I know a lot of people were not happy with like having those restrictions so early, but I think it was the best thing to do having seen what other countries had experienced, such as Italy. Um, so seeing that we like making the, like making those decisions so early, even though it was going to hurt like our economy and everything, it was a better decision for our health and overall well-being. Um, so with lockdown, you're only allowed to drive and go get like essential items, like go to the grocery store, obviously go to the doctors and everything. And I was, when I got back home, I did a two-week quarantine um, in my room away from my family. So that was like something that we had to do. And then also just like a lot of the shops are closed and everything. Um, and I know in America, there's a lot of, I guess, not really a lockdown, but it's like a stay-at-home order. So you're still able to go to like fast food restaurants or like takeout restaurants, um, whereas that's not allowed here in South Africa. But our lockdown ends at the end of April. And from that point, we're going to start doing a lot of different things for the different phases. And it's not just going to be like South Africa as a whole. It's going to be divided into provinces. Um, so some provinces that have a lot, a lot lower of a number are able to maybe have like access to other types of shops. Whereas in, other, in another province, they might still be in a full lockdown. So we'll see how that happens at the end of the month. Um, I think it's kind of necessary that we do this. Even though the cases, like the number of cases that we have might increase, it, it, we have been in lockdown for a really long time, which is affecting the economy quite badly. So that's interesting that you're talking about the South African reaction versus the American reaction. So right now we do have restaurants open for like takeout or drive through. And I find it interesting that they don't even have that option available for South Africans. So you mentioned that the only places that are opened were like grocery stores. And right now, a lot of hospital systems are getting rid of elective surgeries and in like home, like going to the office for visits and using televisits. Is Are people still physically going to the doctor's office or have they adapted that same mentality of using of using telehealth? Is that something that South Africa would be able to get on, like something so progressive? Yeah, so we like we've been told that if you do have the symptoms not to go to the hospital and not to go to your um doctor um that's just like a precaution to not because if you do have it you're just exposing a lot more people so they have set up like a coronavirus hotline that you can call if you think you have coronavirus and they can assess you with your symptoms and a lot of places have um like drive through testing centers that you can go to and get tested 
again, they're only testing people who have the symptoms or have been exposed to someone who has been confirmed to have coronavirus. So, yeah, I think it's been, like, even just, like, going to the shops and everything, there's, like, no one on the road, and people are just kind of going out and coming back in. So, yeah, I think it's been kind of good that everyone's trying to follow the restrictions. I think at the beginning, it was quite difficult for some people to follow the restrictions. I think that was just coming out of fear of, like, not being able to go to work and make money, not being able to, like, sell things and make money. So I can understand why that they, why people were, were hesitant to stay at home but i think the whole thing is just if everyone stays at home we'll be able to go out and get back to what normal was and a lot quicker and i totally agree that the faster that people apply the rules the faster that we can resume some new type of normal i know you were mentioning i have a lot of people become unemployed during this time in South Africa or are a lot of companies allowing people to work from home so what is that situation like I know a lot of the economy is suffering most places and a lot of small business owners are wondering whether or not they're going to open their doors and so a lot of they've been uh, doing unemployment some companies have been providing hazard or crisis pay or a lot of company owners may have been waiving their salaries in the United States and applying those to some of the essential workers or some people that um, no longer can work during this time. So have you seen similar reactions to the South African government or any type of companies doing something for their employees like that? Or has it been something completely different? Yes, so the government has been able to give some people who can't um, work right now, like grants, so that they are able to um, afford food and can still like pay for where they live. And I think the one thing that they did that was, I think, very crucial was that they stopped selling alcohol and cigarettes. So a lot, like a lot of people who would like usually spend their money on alcohol, or even in this crazy situation where we're in lockdown the government has really like tried to put measures in place so people can only spend the money that they have on food and essential things so that there isn't like a situation where they maybe are spending their money on things that aren't essential and then complaining and saying we don't have enough money to like buy food so i think it was really important that that was done so that people spend their money on things that are essential right now and a lot of people who work like say for instance if someone works at a store or work at a place that isn't really, like, you can't do that work from home. I think that's the biggest thing that's been tough, is just people having to figure out, like, how to make money or how to make ends meet during this crazy time. Because, again, like, it's even crazy that the whole world is going through this, so it's not a situation where, um, specifically, it's just, like, South Africa going through something, it's like the whole entire world is going through it. So that's kind of comforting in a way, but it's still incredibly difficult. That's so interesting. I know the United States is providing stimulus checks. And so the way it kind of works is where people that make either if they're an individual or single household, if they make $75,000 or less, then they get $1,200 stimulus check. And then if they have any dependents under them that are 16 years old or younger, then they get $500 for each child. And then if it's like a dual household, they get $2,400 stimulus check. So I find it very interesting that 
as South Africa is applying restrictions to items that are non-essential like alcohol um, because in the United States that's considered an essential business because they they're thinking of people that may be alcoholics and so if they restrict any type of, of alcohol beverage purchasing then they might result in withdrawal which can lead to dire health outcomes but I've also heard people using stimulus checks for non-essential purchases like when I, I don't personally go to the grocery store we have like two designated people in our family that go to the grocery store but I've also heard from family and friends where people are going up and purchasing televisions xboxes and they're purchasing all of these items with their stimulus checks they're also purchasing like the, the drive-through lines are insane when I was just driving around yesterday for a little bit the drive-through lines were were very long and so it makes you wonder what these stimulus checks are actually being used for. I know they want to stimulate the economy, but I think the money should be designated to services to truly help people rather than people purchasing silly, silly items. I even know like other essential businesses here is like Home Depot or Lowe's, which are or those of you that are maybe not from America or not familiarized with those businesses or like home improvement stores. And so they've left those open for contractors or people who repair homes to be able to have access to those resources. But a lot of people have taken that to their advantage and have been flooding to those stores to self-improve their homes during this time. So have, so what have people in South Africa kind of been doing to occupy their time? People here have been on a rampage of purchasing home improvement items or entertainment systems. And I know originally... When this first restriction was announced, people were flooding to the stores kind of like in a hysteria and buying out toilet paper, Lysol wipes, hand sanitizer. Did you see a similar reaction with South Africans? Were the, are those types of items hard to find? Now a lot of stores are restricting the amount of items. They're selling toilet paper by the roll. And a lot of people were even purchasing hand sanitizers in bulk. And then they were gouging the prices on places like Amazon. So I wanted to know if that's something you've seen in South Africa. I know in the United States it's, it's calm down a little bit but I just wonder how other people's reactions around the world is there similar reactions when going to the grocery stores and they kind of had to take those extreme measures in order to be able to have enough for everyone yeah I think um at the time when like America was going through the whole hysteria and buying a lot of toilet paper and all of that stuff a lot of South Africans were just kind of at that time we didn't have a lot of cases so people weren't necessarily panicking but I think right before the lockdown like right before the lockdown happened and then, like the time between when it was announced and when it happened, people were, I guess, buying a lot of things in bulk. But that only lasted a couple of days until the lockdown. And even now, after the lockdown, I went to the store for the first time the other day, and they have a lot of the food still in stock, a lot of like essentials in stock. They're even opening up a couple of stores that sell essentials in the store, but they're blocking off like other things that you don't need to buy. So you, you do have access to a lot of the other essentials in a lot of places. There's a lot of toilet paper, a lot of cleaning supplies. Um, and even just at the store, like there's a lot of like when you enter the store, they will like spray your hand with hand sanitizer and even when you leave. So it's definitely really like structured and I think people are taking it really seriously. Um, and a lot of sections like in the malls are blocked off. So you can only go to places that sell groceries or sell like pharmaceutical things. And with, regards to what people are doing to keep themselves occupied 
um, I think the biggest one is just like spending time together with like family and just enjoying being at home and like all together at once. People have been keeping active for sure. People have been going to school and trying to figure that out and working from home. But I do also think there's like, I can recognize the privilege in having like a safe environment for you to be with your family and try to make the most out of it, where some people might not have that environment where I guess this lockdown is a lot more stressful because they're thinking about like what, like how much money they still have and what they can still buy. And it might not necessarily be an ex- like a, an environment where you can try and make the most out of it because it is devastating for a lot of people. So I don't know, I think it's just, it's very what people have been doing, but a lot of people have just been staying home and like trying to keep fit and trying to like try to find the best in this crazy situation. That's so interesting. I think America, America, if you're listening, anybody, take these restrictions very seriously. I think America should take some notes from South Africa, to be honest, in like covering up other essential items that they shouldn't be purchasing that are making them want to go to the store and making more people be at the store. I know a lot of a tie-dye phase is really big here. So people are flooding to like Walmart and purchasing tie-dye items, but sales and leisure items like sweatpants have went up so people have been flooding to target and those types of businesses and those clothing areas are still open so i think it would be very helpful if they did some type of system where they were like blocking off those areas and even with those home improvement areas or any or any electronics i think that would be very helpful i know in the united states right now one thing that i have seen them blocking off is like playgrounds and so i think a next stepping stone should be them blocking off all of those other things as well so i know you also mentioned that it's very much a privilege to be able to be at home in a safe environment and to spend time with family and to not be worried about any type of financial risk or any other types of worries that people may have during this time so i think that's a very like great message to kind of indicate to our audience that we do have that privilege just to take it into account and to see what we can do to help other people that might be in some type of financial distress. I know in the United States, it's people are taking it much more seriously. We're flattening the curve, but there's still instances where we're having protesting in states like Michigan where people want the stay-at-home orders to be released. And I know Georgia opened up yesterday in the first phase where they would have the economy in certain places opening up again. So have you seen similar reactions in South Africa? Do you feel like people are actually following the rules? I know I've seen people on social media where they're going to a park, they're sitting six feet apart from their family and talking to them and doing those sorts of things. So I just kind of want to know, are people legitimately taking it seriously there or they're just, they're protesting and they're they're kind of fed up with these stay-at-home orders? Yeah, so no one's necessarily protesting and like being in lockdown and everything. I think people are just finding it quite difficult and finding like, and thinking that the government isn't giving enough support, which I think is a valid argument to have if you're in a position where you do need some more financial support from the government but for the most part i think we have been following the rules and i think our lockdown was initially supposed to be just three weeks and then it got extended for two more weeks so i think at that point 
people were a little bit I guess agitated but it would I think it was a good decision because at, we're still pretty vulnerable at certain point because the cases were rising as they were doing more testing um, and another thing that has come into play is a lot of people live in areas that they live really close to each other and areas where they I guess like it's part of the culture to kind of be outside and like with your neighbors and everything so that has been like a pretty difficult thing to navigate now because people are are at home but still pretty close to each other and, and not really safely isolating from each other but people have been doing their best and i think after the lockdown did get extended i think people realized that if they don't stay home we're not going to get out any quicker so i think that was like a bit of a wake-up call for people and, and people started like respecting the rules a little bit more yeah and i think america has taken it seriously in certain areas I don't see necessarily that same resistance in like Indiana, but like I was saying in the other states like Michigan and Georgia, those states definitely had a lot of fight back and the governors gave into that. And so in the United States, kind of what they're doing is like the president kind of designated where the governors can kind of figure out when they want to reopen their states. And then within even individual cities, they, those cities might open up earlier than maybe other cities, depending on the amount of coronavirus cases within their region. So like in Indiana, for example, the more prominent area with coronavirus is Indianapolis, whereas Evansville, we haven't really gotten a big surge of coronavirus yet. So our reopening might look much different than Indianapolis and we might start a little bit earlier so i know i've even heard some places like the wymca which is like a gym facility in the united states they're planning on reopening around like may 4th so i've heard some places slowly reopening of course there's going to be restrictions and social distancing still is going to be something that we're seeing in the near future so i know you moved back home can you did you feel like you've experienced any hardships as a result of the virus besides kind of having to move your schooling online and kind of having to leave school and leave your friends and kind of already start this next phase of life when you weren't necessarily ready was there anything else that you may have experienced or your family members may have experienced yeah i think the biggest hardship for me was kind of just making the trip to come back home and it was like enough went very smoothly and i think like my parents have been obviously worried about like work and all of that stuff but I think as the days go on it's a little bit easier to work from home and um, I think we're all lucky that they're able to work from home and still continue somewhat normal working environment and I think the biggest thing has just been like trying to make sure that we're being resourceful with what we have and not like making it a thing to always like okay we need this so one person will go to the store but also just like trying to stay at home and use what we have and not feel like we have to get more things or like go to the shops more often than we what we would need to do anyway um and also just like the uncertainty of knowing when everything's gonna go back to normal and when everything is gonna be opened up again so i don't know i think it always i feel like it's gotten a little bit easier to like deal with everything as time has gone by i think now at the point that we're in at the point that we're at i think it's kind of become a little bit like we're all we're all like a little bit used to what's going on it's still kind of crazy and everything but we're all just kind of finding a way to make it work and like continue what we're doing. I think that's really valid to say. I think you, humans are very adaptive. And so we've kind of found our new normal within this routine of staying at home and becoming a little bit more adaptive and it's becoming our new normal. And so I think that's a, a really driving message to leave with people that, you know, kind of just whatever cards are thrown at you, you kind of just have to kind of have to take them and 
deal out what you can with the situation that you're dealt with. So can you kind of leave our audience with anything positive that you've learned from this experience and something positive that you think would uplift their spirits during this time? Yeah, I think the, the like what I've learned from this whole experience is that it can really be in times when you're suffering or if you're going through something like a hardship, it can sometimes be really easy to think about like yourself and everything and how you're dealing with it, which I think at, at certain points is very valid. You do need to take care of yourself. But I think I've kind of had to also take, like, ask my friends how they're dealing with everything and, like, talk to my family with how they're feeling about everything and just kind of extending myself a little bit more than I usually would think to do. Um, and also realizing that in a certain situation, I'm trying to find the best of what could happen in that situation. And I'm trying to be very grateful of all the like resources I have and like being able to be in a home with my family and safe and everything while realizing that some people home might not always be the safest place for them so I don't know I think it's just opened me up to realizing that the life I live is not always the same as what someone else is going through even though it might seem like from what I can see they might be going through something that's like pretty similar to me or I might just be even thinking like if I see someone and they're like they have a nicer house I think or like they have like they're able to spend more money or whatever they might not always have like what I have and like I'm just trying to be really grateful for every little thing and trying to get through it day by day and really being mindful of all the content that there is and like what I'm consuming and being careful of like just like the type of things I'm exposing myself to during this time while trying to still be like safe and like trying to stay healthy while not overwhelming myself and just like I guess the overall thing is just to take it day by day and figure it out as you go there's no like expectation to be perfect or there's no perfect way to handle what's going on so um I think you can find comfort in knowing that everyone is sort of going through something very similar um that we're all just trying to make it through. And I don't think these dark times or these stressful times will last forever. And I appreciate that sentiment. I think it's very comforting to know that this time is temporary and to, like we've said before, to kind of make do with the time that you have and the sentiment and not to be too hard on yourself about how you're spending this time. Some people have been even saying that you don't necessarily have to be productive during this time. It's just getting through it is the best that you can do than getting through it is what you're going to do and I think just being an extension for people is a good a good thing to do during this time a lot of people their mental health is highly affected during this time especially staying indoors seeing the same people I think it's a good thing to overextend yourself during this time and to reach out to family and friends and see how they're doing during this time and how you could support them in any way that they need so I thank you so much, Sydney, for talking to me all the way from South Africa today. And so is there any place that you think if people ever had any questions for you that they could reach you at? Any questions, um, Instagram would probably be the easiest or even my email. But my Instagram is just S-I-N-D-I underscore B-L-A-M-I-N-I. Yeah, thank you so much, Sydney. I really appreciate you talking to me and taking this time out. I know the time difference is definitely big, so I appreciate you accommodating me into your schedule. Thank you for having me, Summer. Have a great evening, and uh, I look forward to talking to you in the near future. You as well. Thank you.
And we want to keep the momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement going. And so I'm going to provide some tangible things that you can do in order to support it. One thing that you could physically do is show solidarity and support at local protests and rallies. Make sure, though, when you do go that you are social distancing and that you are wearing your masks. And if that's something you're very fearful of, I've seen online rallies organized as well. Other tangible things that you can do online if you prefer to stay within your homes is sign petitions, donate money or resources if you have the funds, show solidarity and support even on social media by reposting and educating yourself. There's so many good accounts to follow that keep you up to date with news and other resources. I would really suggest Sean King and Color of Change. Another thing that you can do is show support to small locally owned black businesses you could reach out to people that you know and just to make sure that they're doing okay. Another thing I would do is just make sure to educate yourself. There's so many books, movies, resources. I would suggest White Privilege by D'Angelo. I would also suggest a lot of movies such as The 13th, which is a documentary on Netflix. And you can also just stir up conversation within your family and friends and communities. And just to talk about this and to kind of look within deep yourself, to look at your racial prejudices and your microaggressions and to dive deep and see what you can do better.